0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Very Stable Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Reed. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Steve. You can follow the podcast at A Very Stable Podcast. You can take a look and listen and see what we've got over at Stampede Blue. Uh, we're a proud member of the Stampede Blue Podcast Network. You've got a lot of great hosts going on right now. So take a listen to all of those, and remember to rate and review us five stars if you get an opportunity. So. This episode might be more likely to be named a very unstable podcast because I decided to um, go ahead and be a little bit. Let's just say I wanted to cause myself pain, and I went ahead and rewatched the uh, the Colts and Jaguars game, and I just so many things just left me scratching my head. I'm going to be honest with you. And it it starts it starts right there at the coaching staff starts with Frank Reich. So this is now I don't think Frank Reich has ever won in Jacksonville as a head coach. Um, and my biggest you you know what let's hold on let's hold on let's start start this off with the good things that happened in Jacksonville. So just I'm gonna go over the good things really quick. All right. That was it. Those were the good things. Uh, that was that was short and sweet. And I, I think that you all got the point there. So my issue with Frank Wright is it's twofold. I'm not saying that he needs to be fired because in order to fire a coach, you've got to have somebody available to replace him. And quite honestly, I don't think that the Colts have anybody that's going to be able to come in week three of the season and make a big difference. Frank Reich has consistently started off slow to the season and then worked his team into playoff contention. But I think I speak for all friends uh, when I say we are getting very, very frustrated because this team should be 2-0 and and have a two-game lead over Tennessee going into week two of the NFL season. And they they don't. They just – they've pooped their pants uh, in two separate weeks. Um And it's just, it's just not good. It's, I don't know what to say, Um, but, but quite honestly, the biggest thing I think is it goes to Frank Reich. It goes to the top. Uh, It's pretty clear that these guys were uninspired and unprepared to play in Jacksonville, which is really frustrating because that is his only job is to make sure your players are prepared, put them in the best position to win and, and make plays. And quite frankly, he didn't do that. He failed them um and what's wild to me is he failed them before this game even started so i i don't know how many people have talked about this on on any other podcast where you, if you've seen it written anywhere i don't i haven't seen it but one thing that really bothers me about this past week and leading into the Jacksonville week is you know it's an important game it's a, a divisional game on the road in a place that you haven't won in 7 consecutive years Playing in Jacksonville, you just had your worst loss of the season last year with a team that's largely the same uh, as what they had last year at the end of the season in Jacksonville. And Frank Reich inexplicably decides to have two straight hard days of practice. Two days, three days after coming back from a overtime game where you played the full 10 minute overtime and you've got guys it's opening week of the season some of these guys it's it's some of their first action of the season and you decide to go so hard in those first couple practices that your star wide receiver gets injured and yeah okay you know it's uh you never know when injuries are going to occur it's it's a wild card situation there but quite honestly you cannot Have two straight hard days of practice if you're trying to gain these players' trust, if you're trying to prepare your team to be ready for the next week. You just played a full overtime game against a divisional opponent on the road where your team had to come back from 17 points down in the fourth quarter, able to make it to overtime, put themselves in a position to win, only to have it ripped away by a missed 42-yard field goal, and to see the defense go ahead and play it out and finish the entire 10-minute overtime period without allowing a score, and you decide to have two straight days of hard practices. To me, that's that's inexplicable right there. And then when Michael Pittman gets injured, and, and he got injured in that first or second day of practice right there because he went from limited participation to out and then Frank Reich made it made it sound like it was no big deal. Oh gosh golly guys, you know, you know, it's uh he's going to be back, don't worry. It's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm really optimistic that he's going to get to play. And then he's out. Which happens, I understand, but when a player like that is out, you have to have a game plan not built around that player, not about not built around the player that's not there. And he didn't. He didn't have that game plan available. He didn't alter his game plan at all. And it was clear as day that they didn't have a game plan available if they were going to have Michael Pittman out. You lost your number one and two wide receiver, and Michael Pittman, and uh, and and Pierce. Like you can't, you can't sit here and say that that didn't affect the team. But then the coaching staff needs to make it so. It doesn't affect the team like that. Like, that was wild to me. And then you sit there and you have the, the usage of, of different players. So you had name Hines got four touches on the day. Like, that's wild to me. A guy that should be just blowing people away in the slot. He got one carry, one rushing attempt, and four receiving attempts. And that was it. Jonathan Taylor had 9 carries, 10 touches total, 9 carries for 54 yards, one catch for 9 yards, 63 yards on the day. And you expected to like be in the game? Like you're you don't have your best receiver and your play calling takes the ball away from your best offensive weapon? Like this is wild to me. This is this just screams of that Baltimore game from last year where where he just took the ball away from Jonathan Taylor there in the fourth quarter in overtime. He's your best player. He's he's the lead, he's the reigning NFL rushing leader and you don't give him touches. That is just wild to me. And it's again inexplicable. And then you get to the the play calling and and usage like you expect guys like this was a perfect opportunity for Paris Campbell to step up. I mean, he he had every every single opportunity, and he had two targets, no catches. I'm sorry, but Paris Campbell in a game like this against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you needed to show up and you didn't. Like I know that there are some people on Colts Twitter that were super high on Paris Campbell coming out, and I thought that he he had an opportunity to to become better, but he wasn't anywhere near my top wide receiver in that class. But I know some other people were really, really high on him, and I'm sorry, but they were wrong. Like, Paris Campbell has shown nothing. Um, he's fully healthy, didn't play well at all. He didn't get open. He had every opportunity to. Um, you know, you could sit here and blame it on the offensive line if you want. Uh, prior was was terrible. Um, honestly, you need to give Bernard Raymond the snaps at left tackle at this point prior was a liability against any speed rusher uh, really against any rusher period. Um, Matt Ryan did not feel comfortable. It was pretty clear at the end of the game when you started seeing Bernard Raymond get in there and get a little bit more snaps that Matt Ryan felt more comfortable there. He had time to throw. So I, I sit there and look at it. Like, this is a no brainer decision for me. Um, I, I just it just blows my mind how how Frank Wright gets a pass on this um, year in and year out. He starts the year slow uh, in terms of the team and their win loss record and, and really play calling. And it just seems like the team is unprepared to start the season. And then they kind of gradually get into it and they go on a run in the middle of the season and put themselves in position. But, you know, what would be a lot easier if you beat the Houston Texans. And you beat the Jacksonville Jaguars to start the season, so you don't have to go into the final couple weeks of the season hoping that you get an opportunity to play in to win a game to make the playoffs. Because if you just win those two games, those two relatively easy games there to start the season, this was this this start of the season was teed up for the Colts to start two and zero, and you had. The Tennessee Titans, and you know, which, which you kind of expected them to be one and one at this point, but they're now zero and two. Like, it's wild to me how the Colts haven't put this together. They needed to. Um, looking at some of the other things, the defense right now it looks lost. I'm beyond shocked that Isaiah Rodgers has gotten zero defensive snaps in the past two weeks. That just blows my mind. Um, it, he's one of their better cover corners, so I and he's kind of really good for this defensive scheme, so I'm just shocked that he's not getting more playtime, more run there. Kenny looks lost. Uh, Kenny Moore just you, – you see it week in and week out. You see these other teams kind of picking on Kenny a lot, and so I'm hoping that he can turn it around against Patrick Mahomes, but uh, it's uh, – I'm not – I'm not looking I, – I, I don't have a lot of high hopes for that, given the fact how he's played the past two weeks. He's given up big plays, taken really critical penalties. Uh, it's – I'm just not – I hope the best for him. But quite honestly, I, at this point, I think that Kenny probably needs to be moved to another team uh, that really utilizes that slot corner well. An ideal place, I said on Twitter, would be Chicago – Maybe you get a late day two pick in that round three, but you're probably looking to get like a day three pick, an early day three pick there, round four, round five, something like that. Um, Because, again, Kenny wants a new contract. He is under contract for two years, so that's not going to be like a big issue there, one to two years. Um, So he's going to want a new contract. But quite honestly, at this point, it's pretty clear that he's not a fit for this defense. And so the longer he plays in this defense, and the worse he plays, the less money he's going to get. So he's probably going to want to be traded too, to be totally honest with you, because it gives him an opportunity to make that money to really show out in a defense that really accentuates his skill set. Uh, I will say a couple things that that I thought were good about the game. Like I said, Bernard Raymond I thought played pretty well at left tackle. I think that he's the future at left tackle for this team. And I think that he gives this offensive line the best opportunity to win. Um, I was disappointed with, with Ryan Kelly again. This is the second week in a row that it just feels like he seems lost. Um, you're seeing a lot of stunts and twists that get by him, that he just doesn't pick it up. And so I don't know what's going on there, but it's just, it's kind of frustrating. And then the other thing I wanted to, to point out that the other good thing about the Colts game is that. Tennessee also lost which has nothing to do with the Colts game I understand but Tennessee now is 0-2 the Colts are half a game out of their division and if you would have told me that the AFC South would have had two divisional games and there'd only be one win out of that I would be shocked um, because it should be Colts 2-0 and and uh, but they're not they're a 1-1 so that's great that's uh, that's just great. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and move on. One thing I want to bring up again I mentioned this last week in the podcast right about the same spot. Uh, I want to bring some awareness to uh, Abby It's a website that I think it's important if you get an opportunity to go and visit it I think it's really important to go see it's it's regarding two two young girls that were uh, murdered in Delphi. Uh, they've got a tip line available. For you, if you want to go ahead and, and give that a call, there. If you have any information related to that, there's also a over $300,000 reward for information that leads to catching of whoever uh, did this to these two young girls. Uh, so, again, that's uh, org. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Kansas City game. I'm a little worried, to be totally honest with you. Uh, I look at this and the defense last week had a 10% pressure rate on uh, Trevor Lawrence. That's not great. And uh, if they end up getting a worse pressure rate on Patrick Mahomes, he might put up something along the lines of like Peyton Manning opening week of the season in Denver when he put up like six or seven touchdown passes. That wouldn't be beyond it. The one good thing for the Colts in this situation is that they are a little bit. Kansas city is a little bit, uh, undermanned uh, after losing Tyreek Hill. He changes that entire offense. And so having him gone and not having that heir apparent, uh, readily available for Kansas city is going to change how this team plays. And so really, if you can shut down Travis Kelsey, uh, you've got an opportunity and you can, you can, try try to take care of those little short passes. You've got an opportunity in this game. So I think the Colts, they've got a puncher shot in this game. It's that first home game of the season. Kansas City is actually favored by six and a half points, which is wild because they're their away team. So that means Vegas basically thinks that they're going to win by like nine and a half, ten points right around there. And so I look at that and I'm a little bit scared as a Colts fan uh, to go into that and, and see how they play. The offense, I'll tell you, it should be better. I, I think that the offense should be better, not just because I don't think it could get any worse than what it what it was last week, because really it can't get any worse than what it was last week because it was so, so incredibly bad. Uh, but uh, anyway, so the offense really does need Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce to get back because they need those wide receivers it it was so obvious that they missed those wide receivers, those playmakers there, and it, it was just really, really frustrating uh, to see how the offense just kind of died and, and how the coaching staff let it die without getting the ball to your playmakers in name Hines and Jonathan Taylor when you know Michael Pittman's out. That That was just wild to me. The other thing that I think that the Colts – need to get is it's mainly injury related to start the season and again it's it's really frustrating because you you have them come out of of the preseason and they're not really you see these soft tissue injuries to a lot of guys and so it's really frustrating to have this happen I know Alec Pierce is a concussion um but a lot of times that goes with not pushing them hard enough in training camp so yeah I'm just I'm interested to see how they go with the injuries and how they come back. Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard coming back would be huge for this defense. It's pretty clear that, like I said earlier, they're a little bit lost right now. And so I would say they need to go ahead and and take a look at that and see if maybe they can get it figured out. The defense plays so much better with Darius or with Shaquille Leonard in there. They're so much faster and they're just. uh, He brings a level of confidence to this defense that I don't think it's. I don't think it can be really gauged at all. It's just such a, he's just such a presence in there. He just brings a feeling and a demeanor to this defense that is different. One thing I will mention, I i, I forgot to mention this in the, the positives for the, the Jaguars game, is Grover Stewart played awesome uh, in there. I, he's worth every penny that he got paid, and he was arguably the best defensive tackle in the game last week. So I want to give props out to Grover Stewart. I think that he, again, will will be able to show out and will cause some pressure for Patrick Mahomes. If they can keep their lanes and keep him in the pocket, I think Patrick Mahomes is beatable. And so I think that they're going to have an opportunity to do it. The one thing that, that the Colts really need to do, though, in order to put themselves in a position to win this game, is they've got to be able to handle Chris Jones on the interior. And they've got to be able to handle Travis Kelsey on the defensive side of the ball. So Chris Jones is effectively Kansas City's only viable pass rush guy. Like They don't have anybody else on this team. It's pretty much Chris Jones and that's it. Uh, They've got a couple guys. I mean, uh, George Karloffitis, he's a Purdue, Purdue grad. You've got Carlos Dunlap. You've got a couple guys that are. Around and they'll they'll send some blitzes and things like that, but for the most part, it's Chris Jones and and that's it. So if you can stonewall Chris Jones on the interior, and I think if they line him up against Quentin Nelson, that's I think that's a good good spot for the Colts. I think mean, the Colts are going to win that and have a good day there. If he lines him up over there on the other side against you know uh, Danny Pinner, Ryan Kelly, even Braden Smith on the outside, because Braden hasn't been playing well this this season so far either. I think that Chris Jones could have himself a day. And that, for me, is is a little bit concerning. So the other thing that I want to bring up is with Travis Kelsey. That's one of the big things with having Darius Leonard back is the length that he provides in that zone defense. That allows your Kenny Moore, your Bobby Okereke, to be able to man up on Travis Kelsey and you feel a little bit more comfortable with that. So Travis Kelsey, if you can contain him, you've got yourself a shot in this game. Like the, the chargers list past week, they, they were pretty much, they were pretty much in it uh, to the very end. Uh, I think that they were actually leading the game um, for, for a little bit there. And then all of a sudden the chiefs came roaring back uh, yeah, the Chargers were up seventeen to seven in the fourth quarter, or in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs score twenty unanswered, and then the the Chargers get that touchdown late, and then they try to go ahead and, and get a field goal. They tried an onside kick, but they couldn't couldn't recover. So I think that the Colts, the Colts have a chance, um, and I know it's hard to say that after having such a demoralizing loss to a just i i'm going to be real frank here and no pun intended but it jacksonville's a junk team that like, they're not even close to the class of the colts and the colts got absolutely embarrassed so i come out off, on twitter after the game and i just say look i'm i'm almost to the point where i'd be okay letting frank Wright go because you can't continue to start these seasons out like this my hope is that pastor frank decides that he wants to really motivate his team this week and he doesn't go through these hard practices you notice they didn't practice on friday of last week because they had gone through two hard practices where you've had guys get a couple injuries like it just seems unwise to me but hopefully frank can rally the troops here and we'll go ahead and march around and, and go through kansas city my hope is that they go with what got them there like Jonathan Taylor was their back last year that carried them to a playoff contention. Like Jonathan Taylor was the guy. And then all of a sudden they decided to go away from him this past week in Jacksonville in the rain. Like that's the other thing that blows my mind. You, you have Jonathan Taylor there and yeah, I understand Jacksonville is playing a lot of run splits. You, you had some questionable calls that were really frustrating. You, You know, you've had Mo Cox in the back of the end zone where he should have drug his foot. You've got to know better than that as a as a tight end to be able to drag your feet there in the back of the end zone. You've got to have that inherently in your head that you've got to get that toe down. So there should have been a touchdown there. There There's a tip ball pass. You know, there was two or three interceptions that the defense should have had that the Colts defense should have had. Stephon Gilmore had one. Julian Blackman had one. Uh, you had a bunch of guys that just ma- didn't make plays. And it, it was really, really frustrating uh, because if they do make those plays, then we're talking about a completely different game here. Or, you know, I was really frustrated with Frank Reich, uh, fourth and 11 at the Jacksonville 11, or fourth and goal at the Jacksonville 11. Uh, why not kick a field goal when you're down 24 to zero? Because you got to get three scores anyway after that. Doesn't matter. Even if you score a touchdown, you still need three scores unless unless you go for the two-point conversion and get it every time. And that, quite honestly, that's pretty slim. So yeah, I, I just, I'm really frustrated with the coaching staff right now, as I think everybody is with them. But my hope is you get Michael Pittman back. That offense is completely changed because not only is Michael Pittman a good receiver, he's probably one of the best blocking wide receivers in the nfl in terms of talent and then blocking so you've got guys that are like stefan days that are Devonte adams who are fantastic route runners but they don't offer as much in the run game michael Pittman jr is probably the one of the best if not the best all around wide receivers in the game and so getting him back changes the dynamic of the entire offense so that's going to be huge hopefully he gets better frank rake was optimistic about him, said that he made good progress over the weekend. That said, Frank Reich also said that Michael Pittman, he was optimistic Michael Pittman would play versus Jacksonville, and he didn't, which basically changed their entire game plan. Like, why wouldn't you have? Uh, I, I'm going to go back and repeat myself, but I just get so frustrated how you don't have a a backup game plan in that situation when the guy gets injured in the middle of the week. Oh, just in case he doesn't play, let's go ahead and maybe put the stuff out there. So then, you know, just in case he doesn't play, not saying he won't play, not not saying he will, but just in case he doesn't, then maybe we've got this available to us. You know, it's just, again, one of those really frustrating things that I think the Colts need to, like Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay, like what I wouldn't give to be a fly in Jim Irsay's wall uh, to listen to that conversation after that game, because you know Jim Irsay was beyond livid about how that that turned out and how his team got embarrassed. Again, the the, the only saving grace for him was that the Tennessee Titans just got absolutely smoked in Buffalo. And so the number of people talking about the Colts getting shut out in Jacksonville went down quite a bit because of the Tennessee Titans just no showing in Buffalo, which, I mean, it's not exactly fair to Tennessee because Buffalo is a really good team, but at the same time, you got to look at that and say, "Hey, look, oh man, that really stinks." You guys were the number one seed in the AFC last year, and you are now 0-2 after losing two two games, one to the Giants and now one to the Bills. So, yeah, I look at it, and you know, I, the tough part is, I am optimistic about about this Kansas City game. I think they do have a chance they've shown an ability to keep the ball away from top tier quarterbacks when they need to question marks will be that offensive line. And I think if they decide to go with Bernard Raymond, which personally I think is the better play at left tackle and just give him the start. Quite honestly, I know that Marcus Brady today had said that, or uh, on Tuesday had said that they don't have any plans to change the offensive line or any offensive players at this point. Um, I think they should. I think they should put Bernard Raymond in there. I think he was clearly the better option than Matt Pryor. He's younger. He needs to get those snaps, give him that opportunity to play and learn on the fly. The one positive part about Kansas City is they don't have that elite pass rusher that they've had in the past. So uh, this would be a great opportunity for him to get in in a big game and get some real life, real life snaps against maybe a little bit lesser of a pass rush. And what's sad is that everything I told told you all last week about Jacksonville and my worry about that defensive line and how fast they were versus Matt Pryor came to fruition. It's just – or, for example, covering Christian Kirk, I mentioned that last week where I didn't – Kenny had been playing poorly. So I, I was a little worried about that, and sure enough, it came true. My worries this week is that the defensive line are not going to be is not going to be able to get the pressure on Patrick Mahomes and he's going to have all day to throw and you can't give a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes all day to throw. That's that's my big thing there on the defensive defensive side. If Shaq Leonard comes back that changes the whole scenario because Shaq Leonard in his length, his quickness changes that entire and just his demeanor and his presence changes what that defense can give. And I think for the offense, I think if Pittman comes back, you're going to see a very different offense. I think you're going to see an explosive offense is going to put up some points. If Pittman doesn't come back, then you're going to see them try to get the ball. I think you're going to see Naim Hines get the ball a lot more. I think that even Frank Reich was surprised that he only got five five touches um, and only, I think, 15 snaps out of something like 60 offensive snaps, 50 offensive snaps. He only got somewhere along, along the lines of five touches, which I think again surprised Frank Greg. I think you're going to see him get a lot more play this week, uh, and I think it, and that's if it might be regardless of whether Michael Pittman is there or not. And I, you're going to see Jonathan Taylor get more than nine carries, get more than ten touches total. You you cannot leave your MVP candidate on the side. So I think those are the the things that I would expect to see this next kind of game. Is if I'm the Colts fans, I'm going to look for the Colts defense to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. If they can't get pressure, like they didn't get pressure against Jacksonville, this is going to be a long game. And for the Colts offense, if Michael Pittman Jr. comes back, you're going to see the offensive game open up quite a bit because Michael Pittman Jr. can get open on his own. If Alec Pierce comes back, you're going to see it open up a little bit more. Regardless, I think you're going to see more touches for name Hines and more touches for Jonathan Taylor. So, that's going to be it for this week's episode. It's We're running right about half an hour, so it was nice talking with y'all. Again, this is a very stable podcast. My name is Stephen Reed. Give me a follow on Twitter at NiceReadSteve. Go ahead and check out all the work over at StampedeBlue.com. Give us a follow at StampedeBlue on Twitter. Yo, check us out, all the other podcasts there on the network. Rate and review us five stars, and I hope that I get to see any of you guys at the fall game in Indianapolis this upcoming weekend. I'm hoping we're going to see a Colts win. Thanks. Have a great one.